to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. If you're anything like Sayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today we have Sunny Lee back on our show today, and she is going to share with us how we can form our own LLC without using a lawyer. And so she was such a great resource for us last time that we've invited her back onto the show. So Sunny, thank you so much for coming back on. Thank you for having me again. So Sunny, for those of who didn't get a chance to listen to the first episode that we had with you, you know, can you give us just a top overview of what you're doing and your focus? Sure. So I'm the CEO of a company called GoBeagle.com, and uh, we're basically a legal compliance tool to help you manage your entities. So if you have uh, legal entities in whatever state, you know, you can put it in our system and we help you remember deadlines and keep up your minute book, which will be electronic and so on. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I've been a paralegal for about 24 years and I work for major law firms like Kirkland and Ellis, Paul Hastings and Nixon Peabody. Awesome. Thank you, Sunny. Okay. So let's jump into our topic for today about forming our own LLC. Can you give us a top overview? You know, if we're looking to start and create our own LLC, first of all, I guess, do we all need to create one? And what is just a general overview of creating an LLC? What's involved in that process? So do we all have to have one? Probably. No, not really. Do we recommend it? Yeah, absolutely. You should uh, try to have one. It's basically shield so that if you get into some type of pickle or lawsuit or extracts, you can use the anonymity behind having an LLC or legal entity to do the documentations and whatnot. Now, forming an LLC is really easy. And the way you would do it, you would obviously first pick the state where you will want to be located at, and then go onto the Secretary of State website for that state. And this should be a lot of information on how to start it, how to file your own form. And they should typically have forms, like sample forms. For instance, in California, you can get an actual form where it has questions and you just answer the question. You plug in the questions like you would plug in your application to a school, for instance. In Delaware, it's a little more different. You file a certificate. And if you go onto the Secretary of State in Delaware, they have forms that have empty slots. So basically, my name is so-and-so. 
and the name part, it will be kind of empty so that you can fill it in. And it will just be like, it looked like a paragraph, essentially, and at the end, you would sign. So given those two states, you can pretty much get a combination or one or the other. For instance, like in Nevada, it's also a form very similar to California. And then once you fill that form up, you can either mail it, which I normally don't do because it's so long and we have to remember that we're dealing with state agencies and that we are in the middle of the pandemic. So you can choose certain states have an online system where you can file it online. I know Delaware has this upload system where you can upload your form and wait for them to give you an answer. They'll mail you back an evidence. California just went electronic recently, so you can actually apply for that online. And I believe like Nevada is also online. So it's there's a lot of different systems. A lot of states are going online for those forms. So you can actually go in there and just answer some questions and form your own LLC. It's very easy. Just go to Google, type in your state name, like Tennessee, and then write Secretary of State. And you should go to the government site instead of going to one of the service providers so, so that you can save yourself some money. Are there different types of LLCs that we can form? That's a great question. An LLC is an LLC, and the only difference between LLCs is in the eyes of the IRS. Because you got single-member LLCs are always going to be considered pass-through. So when you file your personal taxes, you file the LLC taxes at the same time because there isn't a difference between you and the LLC in itself. When you have an LLC that's got multiple members, it becomes, in the eyes of the IRS, it becomes a partnership, basically. So tax return, obviously, it's going to be a little bit, the dynamics are going to be a little different, obviously. An LLC is still an LLC. There are also things called series LLCs, which are very, very new. And um, I do understand that a lot of real estate investors are very excited about it. Um, if you do some research on series LLCs, they're only provided in certain states. I know California is it's a no series LLC state, so you can't do that in California. But Delaware does offer it. And you just file the forms for a series LLC slightly different, and it requires a lot more documentation. So typically for that type of entity, I would really recommend that you speak to a knowledgeable real estate attorney for that, especially if you're in a state where serious LLCs are not allowed, but you're going to form one in Delaware. That's when things get a little tricky. So you probably want to talk to somebody who's familiar with that type of entity. Going back to the multiple member LLCs, does that a multiple and single member LLCs, how does that apply to married couples? That's a great question. So if you're married, it's still going to be a pass-through single member. When you apply with the IRS, so the LLC gets formed exactly the same way, whether you have a single-member, multi-member LLC, most of the time, except in states like California, certain states is a little different. California, you have to state whether you're a multiple-member LLC or a single-member LLC. You do not have to do that in Delaware, for instance. 
But when you have applied for your EIN number, which is your federal tax ID number, the form will ask you if you're a multiple member or a single member LLC. And when they ask you if you're a multiple member LLC, they will say, accept your spouse. So in that sense, I think that implication is pretty clear that when it's you and your spouse, you're considered a single member. Got it. And you mentioned Series LLC. Can you give us just a top overview of what that is and how that can be applied to us as real estate investors? That's a great. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm not an expert on Series LLCs because I haven't done too many. May have done one a while back. But essentially, it's, it's a top-line LLC that handles the smaller LLCs. So the way you would see it is you have a top LLC that owns a series of other LLCs that hold assets or whatnot. So the great thing about it is that they don't all come back up to you. Instead, you have a shield right above it. And you, right before, there's an intermediary, intermediary between you and all of the other LLCs. That's my sense of it. I'm not a complete expert on that part. And I do think that is a tool that has been very popular among the real estate community because you can hold assets and those assets respond to this one management LLC rather than to an individual person. Got it. I guess, first of all, we should check to see if the state even allows it first before we start doing our uh, (laughs) our due diligence on that and learning about it a little bit more. So yeah, I think the last sorry, there were only about eight states that allowed it. That is as far as the last time I saw, I looked into that, but I'm not exactly sure. LLCs themselves are brand new types of entities, considering the fact that you know corporations and entities have been around for a long time. So these are all new. They're just they're new things, they're new items, and do require somebody who's more specialized. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So when you're looking to create an LLC and you have planning to purchase multiple properties or your goal is eventually to own multiple real estate assets, do you, would you need to open up one LLC per property or would people invest and roll everything under one LLC? And how do you know how many LLCs would be actually appropriate for your portfolio? That's a great question. The common practice is a lot of people open one LLC per real estate property or per, you know, asset. Part of that is to keep them all separate. In case of a lawsuit, for instance, if you have 
And I'm going to throw in just like a hypothetical example of something that could go pretty wrong would be, you say that you have two buildings under one LLC and uh, somebody went into one of your buildings, slipped and fell and broke their hips or something, you know, knock on wood. And they sued. When they sue, they sue the entity. And when they sue the entity, it puts the other property in jeopardy as well. So say, for instance, that the property for which they got hurt was worth only $200,000 and then the other property was worth $2.5 the likelihood of them being able to put liens so that you couldn't do anything with the property until the lawsuit settled, I mean, they're pretty high, right? If the asset itself was located on a separate entity that had nothing to do with the with the property where this person fell, there will be two separate items. So they're, they're just you look at it as two separate people rather than same person, right? So if you were driving down the street and you got an if you got into an accident with Jane Doe, you would go after Jane Doe's assets. You cannot go after James Doe's assets who happens to be her brother. So if you look at it that way, they're two separate people. So having two separate entities to hold two separate assets is typically a wise thing to do. So if I create an LLC and it's operating in, let's say, California, but I own property in, let's say, like Texas, and something happens, a situation, an unfortunate situation happens in Texas on that property, am I protected by the laws in Texas or my LLC and the laws in California? Oh, that is a really deep question. (laughs) (laughs) There are jurisdictions, right? It depends on what it is. Obviously, contractual risk. I mean, when it comes to contracts, does the contract, does it have a federal jurisdiction? It's a local jurisdiction, et cetera. What I mean jurisdictions is which court has the power to rule over this scenario. So your property, and this is going more into litigation rather than group, but say your property is in Texas. Your entity is in Texas, so you have to be qualified to do business in Texas so that you can operate there. And then this person gets hurt in Texas, more than likely that lawsuit will be, because it's an injury suit and it's going to be more for local court, it will take place at that location, in that location in Texas. And it will be, for injury type things, it will be very local. So, you know, within that county, you know, the courts that take care of that county area. I'm not exactly sure how the courts are set up in Texas, but more than likely that's the case, right? In California, for instance, say that I was in a building in downtown LA, which is Los Angeles County, and I slipped and fell, if I'm going to follow the lawsuit, it's going to be in California and it will be at the district court, so the local court for that. When there is a contractual risk, contractual dispute, that's a little, we're getting into a different area now because depending on the amount of the damages, that would also determine whether it's going to be a lower court or a higher court, et cetera. And for that, obviously, a local attorney will probably be best to decide how to determine the jurisdiction. And typically, the plaintiff, the person who's suing you, will be the lawyer for the plaintiff, will be the person to determine where he feels the jurisdiction is proper. 
Got it. Thank you for clarifying and explaining that. So there's also, as you're looking up LLCs, something also comes up as well. You're able to open up a corporation. How do I know Mm -hmm. if I need to open up a corporation versus an LLC and what's the difference? Um, That's a great question. You guys are full of great questions today, (laughs) Aline. A corporation, it's, they're structurally different, right? LLCs are very, um, they're very flexible. They're very simple. Corporations are a little stricter, right? So there are more rules for corporations. They have very big differences, both legally and in tax. Like the tax implication is different. LLCs are passed through, so you follow tax with your income tax return. You can't do that with a corporation. Corporation has the double tax issue that everybody's very concerned about. You can operate, and I don't know, my sense during my years of practice was that not a lot of people are really used to the fact that an LLC can be structured similarly to a corporation. For instance, a corporation issues stock, and those shares of stock could, you can have a an option plan or benefits plan or, you know, all kinds of cool stuff, right? And that's the reason why a lot of people form corporations instead of LLCs. But the fact is, you can actually do that with LLCs as well. You can name your membership units and treat them exactly like stock units. It's a matter of having the proper documentation for it. Corporations are are subject to very different rules than LLCs. LLCs rules are a little more lenient, but you can do the same thing for both. They'll just be taxed differently, but a creative corporate attorney will be able to set them up the same way for, especially for real estate. I think property is usually pretty neat and it will maybe better to do that than doing a straight corporation, just to say that you've got 10 partners in it. You can distribute membership units instead of stock, but treat them exactly the same way. You just have to have a very good operating agreement that explains what you're trying to do and how the LLC will operate. Got it. So then as we're forming our own LLCs, we're filling out the forms online and trying to work this out without having to utilize a lawyer. You know, what are some of the pitfalls that we shouldn't do or we should avoid? And what are the, some of the things that we should absolutely make sure we do and we pay attention to? Sure. Well, we having the form completed the way the state wants you to have it completed. Obviously, there are statutory rules, which are more legal rules. And then there are administrative rules. So whatever I say, your signature, it, the state law, you know, the corporate code is not going to tell you how to sign your document, but the administrative rules do. And one of the things with LLCs, and one of my favorite things with LLCs is that anybody can sign on your behalf by being an authorized person. Obviously, you have to authorize them to sign for you. So as an authorized person, you can sign the certificate to get the entity formed. I think the one of the biggest mistakes that I do see that people make and certificates get bounced is when they put the title of somebody under the certificate before they file it. Those get bounced back a lot of times. So the best your your safeguard title to put in there is to put your name and then put authorized person. That's a big thing. It's as simple as that sounds. It really does 
cause some problems sometimes. And then not to add too many things to your certificate. You know, like in Delaware, you write the full certificate and then you write this, I'm so-and-so, we're forming this entity. And I have seen very seldomly some people put in rules into their certificate of formation, like the company shall have only three members. And serendipitously, you say that a fourth member comes in, then you have to amend your certificate. You have to change it. So in order to avoid that, those rules, instead of putting them on your certificate that you file with the state, you can put them on your operating agreement and the state private document, and then you can amend them, but there's no filing requirement. Your operating agreement does not need to be filed with the state. So it, the process is a lot simpler. So that will be my biggest recommendation. Got it. Awesome. Thank you so much for all of that, Sunny. I really appreciate it. So, Sunny, if our listeners wanted to reach out or to maybe consult with someone who has more knowledge as you do as an expert, where's the best place that they can find out to learn more about you or, you know, if they even have any questions or to reach out to you? Sure. They can go to gobeagle.com. That's G-O-Beagle, as in the doc, dot com. And you can email help at gobeagle.com or you can just uh, email Sunny, S-U-N-N-Y at gobeagle.com and I will respond. It's not like we don't have a very, very large operations, so I'm pretty involved and I'll take any questions. And if it's something that I cannot answer or I cannot give you legal advice because I'm not an attorney, obviously I'll refer you out to somebody who knows. Or I'll find the answer for you. Happy to do that. I've done it all the time for a lot of lawyers my entire career. So no reason why I wouldn't be able to do that for anybody else. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sunny. I really appreciate you sharing all of your knowledge and helping us out with uh, forming our own LLCs. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.